Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Say something. Say something. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. This is Paige, and I'm here with Lindsay. And today we are deep diving. First, I just want to say thank you to everybody who took the time to do our listen to and tune into our podcast sprint. Yeah, and we want to hear your feedback on it. So if you tried it, how are things going? Where are you getting hung up? Send us DMs or emails and let us know and we can maybe help you work through some of the barriers or snags that are coming up for you. Yes, and I just want to take a minute because I had someone recently um, come to me and talk to me about how they listen to the podcast and they are a later in life diagnosed female with ADHD and how much she relates to it. And I think sometimes when it's just us here, it feels like we're just talking to ourselves. Or each other. Or each other, yeah. yeah. Um, And I just wanted to thank her for sharing that with us or with me because it really helped reignite the passion that I have for what we do Mm -hmm. because I, I love knowing that it helps people, that people relate to it. Like that is the whole reason that we started and why we're here. Yeah. And me too. And I feel like I'm not the kind of person that when I consume other people's content that I'm like not a commenter, I'm not someone who like DMs normally and says, hey, this really helps me. And it made me more aware of how I can do that for other people. And I just want to like make you guys aware of like, that's the thing that keeps the ship running. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, this is why we do this. And we want to hear how we're helping you and what specifically is helping you. But we also want to hear like what you want more of or what's um, not helpful or what snags you're running into so we can talk about them more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lindsay and I spend a lot of time talking about our values as a company. Mindful as a mother, what are our values and what... And our mission, yeah. Yeah, most Mm -hmm. authentic to us. And we've really talked about how we both felt like we were limiting our time one-to-one. We can only take so many one-to-one, whether that's clients in private practice or in our parenting world. But more people needed help than we were able to reach one-on-one, which is what Mindful as a Mother was born out of. This is our way of being able to get this information that we see a need for out to as many people and parents as possible to support you guys. And it also helps knowing that it's affordable. Like that's also really within our mission and our values is making it affordable, making it authentic. We're very transparent and offering as much value as possible to make sure you're getting the support that you need. I, oh, go ahead. So every once in a while, it's just really nice to get that feedback and to be reminded that even though I don't see you and I maybe I don't hear from you, I know that this is finding the people who need it and it's supporting the most. Right. And I think this is the difference be- with like online sharing, like teaching, sharing, supporting community is that, you know, we see how many views we get on things. We see how many podcast downloads we get, but we don't see the impact that that has 
in the same way that you would if we were like teaching an in-person class, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you see facial reactions and people talk to you about and interact with you. And so we want you to interact with us like you are sitting in a, a room with us or like you're having coffee with us. Like that yeah. is our goal is for you to say like, yeah, I really relate to this thing. And I also think this, what do you think about it? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's something that's different about our hopes too. I don't want to be talking at you. I want to be talking with you. And each person that likes our stuff, that comments on our stuff, that like communicates with us via podcast reviews, like we know all of your names. Like we read your names and your online usernames and we know which ones are consistently popping up Mm -hmm. that are reaching out. Like you are familiar to us. You are a human being and a person. And I want to make sure that you guys know that too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've know so many people and I've made so many friends through this, mm-hmm. right? Like that it, it's just so cool to have, to see the sense of community that that has been like our mission and part of what we want to do with mindful as a mother is not just use our knowledge and skill set and our, and mostly like the clinical skills that we have. Mm-hmm. We want to create a community of support for moms so that it's not just us supporting other moms, but that like, there's like mom supporting each other and like people feel like they have a safe space to go to. And it's really cool. Like we're what two years into this now to Mm -hmm. see it like what two years of cultivating that looks like yeah I agree 100% and so today we are going to dive into chapter six of your brain's not broken by Tamara Rosier PhD strategies for navigating your emotions in life with ADHD and chapter six is all about motivation and so just like I was talking about this person sharing with me renewed my fire and motivation for what we're doing. I was like, I am so passionate about this. I really want this to mean something and be intentional, right? So with motivation, Lindsay's gonna talk about it and I think we're gonna work through two separate ideas, one with adults and one with children, just so we can kind of make sure you get some tips and skills on both. But that's a type of emotional connection that I make that helps me stay motivated in what we do. Yeah, and so we're gonna break this topic into two episodes or two parts today's part will be about yourself and your own motivation and next week will be all about um motivation in your adhd child so we'll give you the the basis and the knowledge of it today and then next week we'll teach you how to tweak it and adapt it so you can support your kids and recognize what's going on with your neurodiverse kids there are um, two ways that the ADHD brain is motivated. The first is we have an interest-driven nervous system, meaning that our nervous system is more drawn to things that we are naturally interested in. The other is emotional hyperarousal, and that is where we use our emotionality and our deep connection to things, both positive and negative, mm-hmm. to motivate ourselves to do things. Now, because this is the way the brain works, there are lots of tricky, sticky ways that we emotionally manipulate ourselves into action and into being productive. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's what chapter six is all about. Chapter seven is more about the healthy ways to motivate yourself. But chapter six is about the the malicious motivation. It's actually even titled that. So um, the first way that people with an ADHD brain motivate is through avoidance. And I know this sounds a little bit silly, like how are you motivating through avoidance? But most of us, sorry, I got to get to the right page. 
Avoidance is driven by like a variety of thoughts and habits that we have, and it lets us feel productive by accomplishing something, even though it's not what needs to be done. So I'm going to give you like a real life example of how this shows up for Mm me. So when I need to be getting ready in the morning, it's something that like, I don't feel like doing, maybe I don't want to go to work. I don't want to, um, focus on that thing. I'm not like interest driven by it. I all of a sudden get the strange desire that I need to clean my entire house. Oh my gosh, that's exactly the example I was going to use. Yeah, and so it's like, okay, so all of a sudden, like, I'm, I, what I really actually need to do is pack lunches and get myself physically ready, like hair, makeup, all that, get my kids ready, get, you know, everyone together and out the door. And what I'm doing is dishes and counters. And I don't understand why I always end Mm -hmm. up there, but it's a way of tricking my brain into helping me feel productive and I'm up and moving, but I'm not doing the damn thing that I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stress cleaning in general. I think everybody raise your hand if you're a stress cleaner. Okay. So I think about this and on Fridays is like a day I reserve for stress cleaning. (laughs) Mm And Friday is also a day when I have to do most of my executive function tasks taxing tasks Mm -hmm. so like a lot of my paperwork a lot of my treatment plans a lot of my assessments um a lot of the reading that i need to make myself do and when even when i have like let's say my monsters if you've listened to chapter five i hope you have i have these monsters right of confrontation and conversations that i need to have with people that i feel scared of because of the emotional intensity that i feel with them I will stress clean instead, top to bottom, whatever it is, grief, anger, confrontation, and then I will feel better. It gives you a sense of relief, right? You get a dopamine hit from a level of productivity, but I'm avoiding the thing that actually needs to be done. Mine is like returning phone calls. So like if I have new clients calling, and a lot of times it's because right now I don't have this space for new clients and I just recently shut my wait list down. And it's always such a thing because I have this emotional connection to the fact that, and, and I'm passionate about people getting mental health care when they need it and accessible mental health care. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I cannot provide that creates feelings in me that I don't like. Like I want to yeah. help everybody. And it's hard for me to set those boundaries with myself and with my schedule and for my family. And so I will literally avoid calling people back for like a week because I have to say, I'm sorry, I'm not taking new clients. I'm sorry, my waiting list is closed. Let me help you find someone. Right. But it's just the level of like. Yeah. Which you can just do it. It's just words. It's just a phone call, but it feels so hard. And I don't even know these people. I don't know them either, but I'm emotionally invested in the fact that they, yeah, the same thing, that they need support and I can't support them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such, it's been kind of a mind F because I'm going from a place of like having openings and like, yes, I can support everybody. And that's so cool to being like, oh, I have to set these boundaries now. And that's not easy for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. The second, oh, I want one thing I want to talk about before I move on is that this is one of the ways our divergent thinking kind of hijacks us is because this is when you're working on something that you actually need to do. And a thought pops into your head of like, so I'm making lunches and the I look at the dirty dishes and I see, oh, I need to do the dishes in order to have this thing clean or whatever that is. And then my brain convinces me that the dishes are more important right now than making lunches. And that's not actually the case. So mm-hmm. it hijacks me in the rabbit hole, hijacks me from focusing on the thing that I need to get done. Just doing the thing. Just do the thing. 
Um, something I do to help with this in my day-to-day life is I feel like I'm constantly, um, especially in those, I know what moments are hard for me and where I'm, my motivation struggles with avoidance or with, um, the divergent thinking. And I'm constantly asking myself, am I doing the most important thing that I need to be doing right now? So if I'm like, what's the purpose of what I'm doing? So the purpose of me in the morning is like, I need to get everybody out of the house into our designated spaces on time, right? Mm -hmm. And um, am I doing something that's moving us towards that? And are the dishes moving me towards that? They're not. So then I have oh, to that's redirect. A really good and, clarification yeah. question. And I've even stopped like in mid dishes. Like, okay, it's okay to stop mid dishes. I don't have to finish these. Like, mm-hmm. and, and recognize that, yeah, it creates some anxiety for me to look at the sink and see dishes. But that's, I, you know, I'm not doing the thing that's moving me towards getting out of the house. Mm-hmm. And that's really also helped with my emotionality piece because then I'm not getting overstimulated, frustrated, and yelling at my kids um, in the morning time. Mm-hmm. The next way that we maliciously motivate ourselves is through anxiety or high intention. Um, Tell me how you do this to yourself, Paige. I was actually trying to think of this one, and I think the go-to example is school, right? Deadlines and Mm -hmm. maybe if you have work deadlines, which I don't necessarily have any longer, But I used to have school deadlines and I actually um, used to, I used this as an example with a client I talked to earlier. Maybe not. Cut that out. I don't know. I don't think I used this one actually. Oh, I do all the time and it's it's that I am afraid, okay, I did this. We were literally just taking a freaking nap or trying to. And as I'm laying down, I'm having all these like ideas or things that I need to tell Paige come into my head. And the fear is because I have ADHD that I will forget them like because of the working memory piece or I don't want to do the thing right now. And so I will like amp myself up and give myself anxiety like if I don't do it right now it won't get done if I don't do it right now it won't get done and so I feel like I have to do everything right now Mm -hmm. and everything is emergent and on a deadline I create this like false deadline and false importance in my head when really most um most of the time it's not something that like absolutely has to be done right now the other place I do this is content and it's effective right because I am like something we talked about last night is like I am very very consistent with um creating content and getting it online but sometimes the way I motivate myself to do it is not healthy and it burns me out on producing content mm-hmm. I agree with that and I think one we'll talk about leaders procrastination and I have used a sense of urgency but again it was with deadlines so if I know like let's say my paper is due on Friday I give myself the imaginary deadline of Wednesday So then because of time blindness, right, like I'm back scheduling to make sure that I get it in and I know I procrastinate because ADHD. And so then I'm budgeting in time for myself to procrastinate without being self-destructive. But I'm still using urgency to try to motivate myself to get it done by creating a false deadline. But I think that's a healthy way to do it. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. it's, It's a healthy way to use it other than the fact that I'm lighting up my nervous system which it's not necessarily healthy for me to be like firing up my nervous system to motivate me to complete a task. Well, right. And this is where like when I'm doing these things to motivate myself to stay, to keep going, or it's, 
you know, if I don't order the groceries right now, I won't have time to do it. That's another lie I tell myself is Mm -hmm. I have to do this now or I won't have time later. Um, And that is not necessarily the case ever. And it may not be the best time to do that thing or it's okay if it doesn't get done in that moment. But um, I then get myself in a state of fight or flight Mm -hmm. and I'm having a hard time regulating afterwards over stuff that really should not be that big of a deal. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and I think this is a really good example because she'll talk in the book too that you have to figure out your own owner's manual of what works for you and what is and is not healthy. And it's like the lines are blurry. Like if I am using urgency to motivate myself, but I'm not staying in that state of fight or flight where I'm emotionally, like physically, hormonally yeah. exhausting my entire system, then is it healthy for me? I would say yes. Yeah. And then I would budget in that extra time, right? So no matter, I could procrastinate up until an hour before the imaginary deadline I gave myself and then get some stuff done. And then it's really still in by the deadline. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I am using it, but I'm not staying in a state of fight or flight. And I think for me, this is a learned pattern. And for a lot of ADHD people using this has been, especially if you mask really well. So um, is that we do this to ourselves because we know it's how we get stuff done because there's this underlying fear that if I don't use this level of intense emotionality and jack my nervous system up Mm -hmm. to get this important thing done, I won't get it done. And then there's the shame spiral afterwards. So we're doing this to prevent ourselves from having the shame spiral or forgetting something or, you know, not living up to our own expectations, And it's effective as hell, but it's also, like, not good for you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good for you to be in a state of fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. The next way that we maliciously motivate is through procrastination. So it's avoidance of, like, I don't feel like doing this right now. And we feel like there will be a magical time when we are motivated to do that. And the time never comes. (laughs) And I feel like procrastination is what has led me to motivate myself to be anxiously motivated. Um, and this is kind of like, um, completing a task with minutes to spare. And then we get a high from it pretty much because we've done the thing and we've accomplished it. Mm -hmm. And, Um, there's a high from like the dopamine hit of it, but we have in turn like created this unhealthy pattern. Another way that we procrastinate is using perfectionism. And so this makes me think of like your pool example too. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Um, if we can't do it perfectly or the perception of, um, perfectionism, because a lot of people maybe are ADHD perfectionists, but they don't think that they are a perfectionist because they don't, it doesn't look like perfect yeah. like their life they don't doesn't consider look, themselves doing look, stuff perfectly yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so and I'm one of those people I think I used to think oh I'm not a perfectionist because like I'm messy I'm unorganized like I'm but I am because there's this expectation in my head of perfection and I'm constantly beating myself up when I don't meet that expectation or I'm not doing things that maybe I would want to do or enjoy doing because I don't feel like I can do them perfectly yes Yes. And one thing that I really loved about the book is she talks about procrastination and I use this all the time where it's like, I do my best work two hours before the deadline. And she's, she calls us out. I was like, the shade, Mm -hmm. Tamar, the shade. But she says that research shows that generally that is not the case. Our performance and our productivity 
suffer when we're under that pressure, even though we're getting a dopamine high and feeling like, oh yeah, I did my best work. It's like, well, actually you didn't and you don't, and you won't continue to do it. Well, and when, and your nervous system's likely in fight or flight when you're under that amount of pressure, which means that, and we know this from neuroscience Uh that your, your logical thinking and your rationalizing is like offline. Mm Mm-hmm. So think of the uh, amount of like creativity and and I've seen this in in our own work with this, right? Like with this company, yes. when I am able to come at this from a regulated space and not have stress and pressure and deadlines on myself, I am so much more creative, so much more informative and so much more helpful to everybody mm-hmm. than when I try and like force it because it's not my best work. Yeah. So we talked about my pool example and perfectionism and that being one of the monsters that shows up. But also this idea of perfectionism is what I feel like, and we've talked about this too, is my barrier to showing up online to our audience. Like I want you guys to know who I am and what I'm about and what we're about. But I feel like if I don't have something huge and moving and like three tips to share or all these things, then I can't show up like there's nothing there's no reason for me to be posting online or sharing content and so then I don't show up at all so and then there's the shame of not showing up at all. yes and then I started to shame myself about how little I show up and how it feels like I'm not even an active participant in our company sometimes right which is all just a shame spiral I'm putting on myself because of this idea that I need to have a huge idea or movement or something learning happening that's going to impact a bunch of people. And if I don't say it right or I don't say it fast enough or my graphics aren't right, then it's, I can't put it up. Mm. And then I just don't show up. Yeah. Well, and I get caught up too. And like, I feel like I need to have the exact right answer that's going to help every person. So I need to think of the answer for every situation or for every kid or explain thing in a, something in a way that everybody can like use, understand and benefit from. And then it makes it too complex because that's just not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I don't show up. Yeah, because it's not real, guys. There isn't one answer that's going to work for everybody. There just isn't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, like even in our own parenting world, we don't know what the, what the heck to do. We have to wait, reflect back on it and make a plan for the next time something comes up because mm-hmm. these kids are out here wilding. Mm-hmm. Doing crazy shit. Um. Anger is the next thing that we use to motivate. And I feel like this always happens when I'm doing yard work because it's like the physical, like, <laughs> why are movement. we the same person? <laughs> and I'm just out there and I I don't like yard work. I think that's where this comes from. I am not interest driven to yard work. Mm-hmm. So I am out there and I am pissed because I'm out there and I use that to motivate myself to get through it. But I usually end up uh, like ruining my marriage in the process. I don't like being cold. I don't like being cold. I live in a very cold place. Every winter when it starts to snow, the first time I have to shovel snow, I have an incredible adult tantrum. If I have to take out a snowblower, I have an adult tantrum and I'm so angry about having to shovel snow. And I know it's because I don't like being cold. I would rather be hot. I don't want to be shoveling snow. I don't want to get up early to shovel snow, like especially coming from a warm climate. Like I lived in Phoenix. I know how to weatherproof a house for hot weather. I have no idea what I'm doing in cold weather. So it was a huge learning curve and it's not something that I was pleasant, 
or enjoyable. And so I just would get so angry. And I really, really worked on it this year one. I was pissed all the time. Mm -hmm. Year two, I hired a plowing company. Mm -hmm. And then this year, year three of, of my winter experience, I got outside more often. And, um, like just did it in short chunks of time, Mm -hmm. encouraged everybody in the house to help. And I had less tantrums than I ever had before while still doing the work. Yeah. I, that's a hard one. I'm not like a physical, like I don't like manual labor, physical labor. And I'm very, I have a very sensitive system and I'm learning now that this is my neurodivergence, right? Like I've always carried a lot of shame around this and it's been really nice to kind of explore how it's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's not that I'm lazy or that I don't like I'm not a hard worker. I think I've always internalized like I'm not a hard worker, Mm -hmm. but it's really that I'm so sensory sensitive to um, like tons of physical activity or like things that feel like really hard physically and the, the cold or the heat. So it's like if I'm getting really hot in my snowsuit shoveling snow and it's cold outside, there will be a tantrum. Mm-hmm. It, it will happen. Or if it's like really hot outside and I'm trying to do yard work and I feel overwhelmed by the amount that I need to do, like I will be screaming at everybody. And it's just not like, it's, it's not a good motivator because <laughs> of that. Cause not. I just, it's so exhausting. I feel like crap after, and I usually don't even end up finishing the task that I wanted to complete because I just like give up and, and cry. I agree. The next way that we motivate ourselves is through shame and self-loathing. And I can relate a lot to this one. Mm. And so in order to, Keep ourselves moving forward. Shame is an emotion that we all have to like deal with and carry. And Brene Brown describes it as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Shout out to Brene Brown. She's my hero. (laughs) Um, And we use shame to motivate ourselves because we think about how disappointed we'll be or um, the ways we will feel incompetent, damaged, weak, or stupid if we don't do the thing or do the thing well. Yeah. Or if we're motivated, I think one thing is like, I'm feeling really tired and I need to rest, but my kids want to do something. And then it's, it's the idea of like, I don't, I work all week and I don't get to spend enough time with the kids. Why don't you just make yourself go this time and spend that time with them or else they're going to, it's going to impact them in your relationship with them later. Yeah. So it's two things. We can use it in like a competitive way, which is like, I'm going to prove that I am not a worthless, like it's proving your worth, right? Like, and I think this is where I get caught in like using shame to motivate myself. I'm trying to prove my worth by doing the things. Um, and, or there's the, the shame piece of like, I'm trying to, I feel uncomfortable with the emotionality of like having to set the boundary that like I need rest, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm trying to, I'm pushing myself through it, even though I know that that's not what's best for me because I feel intense feelings of guilt or shame about um, working or having to take time away from my kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm telling myself that it's going to ruin them if I don't do this thing. And that's what's motivating me. And that's what's so freaking inaccurate. Because it's not going to ruin your kids if you take a nap on Saturday afternoon. Or if you give them an hour of screen time. Because you need a freaking break. Yeah. That will not ruin your kids. And here's another good example for me is I don't want my children to... 
have an example of me only like binge watching TV all the time because I'm tired, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so their narrative, I don't want their narrative of me to like, my mom doesn't play with me and she watches TV because she says she's tired. Mm-hmm. And so that I use that to motivate myself to go out and do stuff with them. Mm-hmm. And that's just a shaming spiral that I push myself into and what we tell ourselves we become. Yeah. And, well, and I think that sets us up for failure and that like, I am, um, not honoring myself so when I do that when I push through when I'm too tired because I want to do something fun with the kids or I want to spend you know like more quality time with them what ends up happening is especially if it's like an activity in public with all the kids is I end up overstimulated and ornery because I'm not rested enough and then I end up ruining it with my adult temper tantrums yeah, because you're overstimulated. And then Tim's pissed at me. The kids didn't don't have as much fun as I think they should. And 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 in actuality, they probably have just as much fun. But <laughs> my perception of it is <clears throat> that I ruin everything. Yeah. And then here we are back to like the shame, right? So like using that to motivate ourselves just perpetuates shame and leaves us with this like deep feeling of emptiness. Now we're going to shift into ways we can confront this harmful motivation strategy by addressing the ways that we emotionally manipulate ourselves. And she gives um, one really great example in the book of things that you can do to like talk to yourself in a more loving way. Mm-hmm. So I just want to talk about it real quick. And it's talking to your past self and your future self. So um, when I don't want to do something, I think like, what is, um, how would my future self thank me for doing this? So like, I'm not stressed and overwhelmed tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I actually, when I think of things in the context of my nervous system, um, it helps me. So it's like, how can I support my nervous system tomorrow, right? And that's maybe by doing the dishes before bed so they're not even a distraction in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then thanking my past self when I wake up in the morning and I don't have to do that as much. It's like, oh, Lindsay, thank you so much for, you know, getting that done last night so that it's not even an issue today. Yeah, I really love that. And I think I use that a lot with my kids. Mm like if we're planning a trip or we have something big coming up, mm-hmm. I will intentionally prepare stuff differently because I am aware. And I think it's easier for me to be more aware of what my kids are doing and happening with their nervous system and their situations than it is necessarily mine, mm-hmm. right? So I will be um, putting all this stuff in a bag first. Or like when I when I pack for a trip, this is a really good one. When I pack for a trip, I pack the day before to give future self time to forget and remember things because I know that that's part of the process. So instead of rushing to pack same day, last minute, I encourage myself to do it ahead of time, knowing that I will feel much better and not so shameful about my natural tendency to forget last minute things and just be able to throw them in my back. This is why, this is what I need to do so we don't have to drive 10 miles to find me a toothbrush today because... (laughs) (laughs) That happened. And with that, we're going to wrap this episode up and we're going to come back next week and talk about how these patterns show up in our kids and what we can do to support them and keep them from entering into these emotionally manipulative cycles with themselves. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.